We do continue in our series, Why. I would remind you once again, each week we have a devotional guide for you that's provided uh, for your own enrichment spiritually. Uh, there are questions to ponder and scripture passages to read and, and thoughts to, to really reflect on. And you can use it individually or you can use it in small groups if you're involved in some small groups. Some uh, small groups in our church have chosen to use that as curriculum. So we appreciate you doing that. We think it's a good way to continue to, to live with the message. Uh, Also, I would say to you that we're doing something special during this series of why. Uh, Each uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. during this series, I'm on Facebook attempting to answer some of your questions. And uh, each week I get tougher and tougher questions. It's been fun. I think it's called Stump the Pastors, right? Stump one of the pastors. But it's good. We we learn by asking questions, and I'm learning with you. So uh, we encourage you to do that. It's been an interesting series so far, I hope. We've tackled a lot of questions. The first week we tackled, uh, why is there suffering or why does God allow suffering? And the answer to that was, well, everything that happens to you is not God's will, but God has a will in everything that happens to you. The following week, we tackled the question, why do my prayers go unanswered? And we dig deeper into that subject and we came to the conclusion that prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. And of course, the the following week, we talked about self-forgiveness. And we learned that the more we begin to love ourselves the way God loves us, we'll learn to forgive ourselves the way God forgives us. And then last week, it was about God. God, why don't you prove your existence? And we learned that faith is an inside job. But today, we go light again, don't we? By tackling faith in science And I want to begin by reading a passage of scripture to you from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. But the Lord had his blessing upon this reading of his holy word. Help us to hear it, understand it, believe it, and then live in response to it. Let us be in an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for... The gift of this service, this music that reflects your power, your wisdom, your glory. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing and humbling privilege of preaching your word to these, my friends and your servants, Lord. A task I always need your wisdom and your strength to do. I can't do it without you. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Why do faith and science collide? Or do they collide? Another way to ask it is, do our scientific discoveries disprove God? You know, a lot of atheists believe that. A lot of atheists today will tell you, well, God is really not needed anymore. Because we, we've discovered so much about the universe and how it works. God is just simply not needed. You know, we can explain everything away. It used to be back in the day we had the God of the gaps. Whenever there was a gap in knowledge, we just put God in there. 
And now that we know so much, why in the world do we need God? Well, today, my goal is to help you understand that faith and science are not mutually exclusive. You don't have to choose one over the other. And I say that because I have known a few people in my life and in my ministry who have chosen to give up faith because they've been given the impression that in order to become a Christian, you have to check your brain at the door. Martin Thielen is a pastor and he used to serve a church in Hawaii. And while he was serving there, he had a lady in his church who was, her name Mary, who was a PhD student at the University of Hawaii. And she loved Thielen's church. And she was drawn to Christianity. She was drawn to the faith, but she was struggling with the conflict she thought there was between faith and science. And so she set up an appointment with, with Martin, and she said, listen, I, I, I love the faith, but I also love science. And as a scientist, I can't bring myself to believe in a literal translation of Genesis. As a scientist, I, I can't bring myself to believe that the earth was created in six literal days. This whole world. I, I can't bring myself to believe that, that this world is only 10,000 years old or less. And then she said to Martin, can I be a scientist and still be a Christian? And maybe you have that same wondering today. You're thinking, do I really have to check my brain at the door? Do I have to forfeit my mind in order to believe, in order to have faith? Can I be a Christian and believe in evolution? Can I be a Christian and believe in science? Can I be a Christian and still have a brain? And my answer to you today is, yes! I thought, you know, you knew I'd say that a thousand times, yes! You can be a Christian and not believe that the earth was created or the world was created in six literal days. You can be a Christian and interpret Genesis differently. You can be a Christian and still believe that the world is much older than 10,000 years old. You can still be a Christian and believe all those things. And that may be liberating for some of you today. Because maybe in your mind you, you've wanted to believe, but you think there's a certain way you have to think about the world and you, you kind of have to close your eyes to science. You know, there, there are some people, there are some Christians who say, you know, evolution, for example, proves to me there is a God. Because all evolution is, is developing, getting better, getting stronger, improving. Why is it that so? Why does energy move that way instead of decaying? We believe as Christians that we are evolving. We are moving on towards perfection and love. We have that sanctifying grace that moves us, that evolves us, that grows us. That is the energy of Almighty God. But... There are some people who think differently about it. I recall being a, a student at Florida Southern, Go Mox, Floso Co, as we like to call it. And I got a call from some parents of a friend of mine from high school. She was a, a, a girl that was a, a year behind me, and she was interested in going to Florida Southern. And so her parents called me and said, listen, would you give us a tour of this fine institution? Absolutely. I'm proud of Florida Southern, and I was glad to give a tour. Actually, at the time, I was a Southern ambassador, if you can believe that. And I would give tours, so I was a professional, and I decided to do it. And so 
they came to campus and I gave them the grand tour. And I must have done something right. Because the next semester, she was there. Well, after that semester, her parents yanked her out of the college. And they called me all upset. They said, I thought this was supposed to be a Methodist-related college. Did you know, Charlie, that they teach evolution in that school? And there was a long pause. You don't seem to have a problem with it, do you? I felt like Galileo. You remember Galileo? Who proved and confirmed what Copernicus had always believed, that the earth rotates around the sun? You remember? And so he, he saw it with this powerful telescope. He saw it with his own eyes. But the church had a field day. If you know your history, he was brought before a, a tribunal of the Roman Catholic Church and charged with heresy. What he saw went against the teachings of the church because the Roman Catholic Church at the time looked at two Psalms, 93 and 96, literally, that says the earth shall not be moved. And they said, that can't be true. And so they put Galileo on house arrest for the rest of his life. And his findings were never published until 70 years later. Now I think, and I hope, that all of us in the sanctuary today believe that the earth indeed does rotate around the sun. And we believe that science rightly teaches that. And yet here we are, still Christians. Still in worship? How is that possible? Because we've been able to reconcile the understanding that when the psalmist wrote that inspiring psalm, or those two inspiring psalms, the psalmist had a limited understanding of science and cosmology. But that didn't deaden his inspiration. He was trying to get out that this world, this earth, was created by Almighty God. So maybe you're running. Okay. That's interesting. So the science and faith thing, Charlie. Faith and science are not in conflict with each other. Science is not a threat to God. One of the big points I want to make today is this. Science pulls back the curtain on God's creativity. That's what science does. Science pulls back the curtain on God's brilliance. On God's creativity. Now maybe you are wondering, well, Charlie, what what about the book of Genesis then? As we're having this conversation and this faith and science, how are we supposed to interpret the book of Genesis? Well, the book of Genesis is not a book of science. It's a book of faith. That's what we have to understand. You know, when God inspired the the writer of Genesis to, to write Genesis, God didn't say, I want you to write it exactly as I did it. God knew that writer and their finite mind can never understand how God actually did it. And God knew that writer had a limited understanding of science. But what God wanted that writer to do was to reflect to the world through his writing that God created this whole world and the vastness of it and the brilliance of it. God did it. It was God. You see, the book of Genesis is a statement of faith. It's poetic language that tells us about the who of creation. You see, the the original audience of Genesis 
They didn't understand protons and neutrons and science and cosmology. What they needed to know was that God is the source of life and God has a plan and purpose for this world. That's what they needed to know. So God has gifted scientists to unravel the mysteries of this world. And as, as these gifted scientists unravel the mysteries of this world, we come to appreciate even more the wondrous brilliance and creativity of Almighty God. Science doesn't go against faith. Science is a friend to faith. This is what Albert Einstein said. I love this quote. He, says, he said, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. So I want you to do something. I want, you to, I want you to take out your hand. Just look at your hand. And this came from an amazing quote I came across when it comes to the relationship between faith and science. You see, as we look at our hand, it seems that our thumb, for example, is so far away from our fingers. We think they are separated. But in truth, the relationship of faith and science is this. Faith is our thumb. Science are our fingers. And the only way we can grasp this world fully is by using both. Both of them are required to truly understand and appreciate God's brilliance. And the more science discovers, the more we are amazed at God's unbelievable creativity. You know, we, we know, for example, why lightning strikes. And we know the cellular com- components of a flower and why some flowers are pink. We know, for example, why rainbows appear. We know how speech is processed in the human brain. We know why rain comes. Does that negate the existence of God? No, it helps us appreciate even more what God has done. It broadens us. You say... For example, say Andy came by the church one day in a brand new car. Someone gave him a brand new car. Say, say Nikki gave Andy a brand new car. But not just any car. Say it was a Lamborghini. I mean, a brand new shiny Lamborghini. Can you imagine? And Andy said, Charlie, you got to see this thing. It is unbelievable. And we went out into the parking lot out here. And he lifted up the hood, and I saw the engine. And he said, Charlie, you got to look at these leather seats. It is unbelievable. And you got to check out the stereo. It is unbelievable. And then Andy would say to me, but Charlie, you got to feel this thing's speed. Let's get in. And say we got into that Lamborghini, and Andy just went like a tear around Lakeland. And I was fearing for my life and screaming, but we were going around corners, zero to 60 in one second. And say we screech back into the church parking lot, and I'm dizzy and all that. And then he says, isn't that amazing? Isn't this car amazing? And what if I looked to Andy and I said, well, you just went to the junkyard and put together these pieces and put this car together. You just put it together. He would look at me like I was crazy. Now he still looks at me sometimes like I'm crazy, but... Are you kidding? That car was designed by Lamborghini. Designed intentionally. It's the same way. Just because we understand the mechanisms of the universe doesn't mean there's not a mechanic. Just because we understand how things were designed 
Doesn't mean there's not a designer. God is a reflection of all those things. It's amazing. God is a reflection of all those things. And, you know, when you think about the vastness and creativity of the universe, I think of what's come out recently with uh, the James Webb Telescope. Have you seen some of these pictures? Pictures we have never been able to see until now of space, of the universe. Let me have you take a look at, at one picture that's come out recently. Now, you need to know this telescope is the most powerful telescope ever created. And these pictures are not doctored. These are clear pictures of things in the universe that scientists have sometimes thought these things were there, but now we are seeing them. And we see the vastness and brilliance of this world. For example, this is what is called the pillars of creation, they're calling it. And it's a, a, a collection of, of stars and dust and new stars continue to develop. And I, I encourage you to get online and look at all these pictures because they are amazing. And the more we look at these pictures and study these pictures, the more we see the brilliance of God's hand. But you know, microscopes do the same thing. We can see God's brilliance and creativity in the little things as well. Take a look at this picture. Now, what do you think that is? That is one brain cell under an electron microscope. Look at that. One brain cell. Look at the, the uniqueness of that, the beauty of that. Only a God could create that. We are God's handiwork even to the little cells in our bodies. But you know, as amazing as science is and pulling back the curtain on God's creation, science cannot answer everything, which is why we need faith. G.K. Chesterton, that great writer, said, the real mystery is that anything exists at all. You know, it's one thing for, for something to change into another thing, isn't it? But it's quite another thing for something to come from nothing. It's like that old story of a group of scientists that got together one time, and they thought, you know what, we know, we know everything about this world. We don't need God anymore. We can clone things. We don't need God. And so all the scientists got together, and they said, we need to pick somebody to go to God and tell them we don't need him anymore. And so a scientist was picked. And that scientist went to God and said, God, we appreciate everything you've done. We really, we really do. But uh, we know everything. We know the secret. We know how to clone. We, we know how to do all that stuff. And so we don't need you anymore. Thank you very much. And so God, you know, he listened patiently. And then he said this. Okay, I understand. Tell you what, let's make a, let's do a human making contest. I'll make a human and you make a human and if you can make it exactly how I made it, then I'll go away. Scientists said, okay, we'll do it. But God said, but we're going to do it exactly how I did it. So the scientist said, exactly, sure. And then that scientist bent down, reached down to the ground and grabbed some dirt. And God said, no, 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 no. You grab your own dirt. If you think this world... Existed by chance. 
Go grab your own dirt. If you think this world has existed by chance, try to create something out of nothing. And if you're not convinced, think about it this way. The world existing by chance would be as if a tornado flew around a junkyard and rearranged all the parts of a junkyard and left a fully operational 747 Boeing in its wake. And this wouldn't have to happen once. It would have to happen a million times. That's impossible. So is a world without a creator. And if you're still not convinced, think about it this way. The world existing by chance would be as if I took a whole warehouse of Campbell's alphabet soup and poured all those cans into the fellowship center. Can you imagine what a mess that would be? And as I poured out all those cans and those letters spilled out, they would perfectly spell out the Webster's Dictionary. That's impossible. Or another way to look at it is this. Say one of the cells in your body was talking to another cell deep within your body. And one cell said to the other, you know, I wonder if human beings exist. We've never seen one. We know all about ourselves, but if a human being would just show up, we would believe. That's what it's like. Are you kidding? God is all around us. God is energy. God is life. In fact, the Bible describes God as having glory. What does the word glory mean? It means energy. It means life. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he was radiating. Remember, he was radiating the life and energy of God. And in the Old Testament, it said you cannot look upon God and survive. Why? Because God is so filled with energy and life. And in Revelation, it says in heaven, there will be no stars. Why? Because God is the source of light. And in Acts it says, in God we live and we move and we have our being. This universe that has been created by God is unbelievable. You know, there are laws that that govern this universe, that create life and sustain life. And these laws are like a perfect mathematical formula that if this formula was off by 0.1%, life could not And would not exist. That's how perfect God's handiwork is. The Apostle Paul would put it this way in Romans. Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through the things that God has made. And then I love what the psalmist writes. The heavens... Declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. But they have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. The real message today, you are no accident. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are no accident. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are no accident. I know you're out there. I can hear you breathing. Say it. This same God who created the vastness of this universe, this same God who created 
the brilliance of a flower and the beauty of a flower. This same God created you and all of your uniqueness. And he created you out of love for the purpose of you experiencing love and you sharing that love with the world and for you to experience the meaning of his purpose and power and life. You know, over 4.5 billion years of life on this earth Isn't it unbelievable all the creating that God would have done and all the creating that God continues to do? Think about all the things that God has created. The mountains and the oceans, the the sunset, the animals. But you want to know God's crowning act of creation? Human beings. There is no other life form like us. We are created in God's image. We have been given a soul. And we're able to think and reflect and love. I love the way Ephesians 2.10 puts it. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that we are God's handiwork. And you want to know? The, the Greek word there in Scripture for, for handiwork is poema, which means poetry, which means we are God's poetry. We are God's work of art. I remember sharing that with a kid in my other church I served who was a Kind of a troubled child, but he, he found a haven in our church. And I was explaining this lesson to him. You're a work of art. And I said to him, what do you think that means? He said, well, pastor, I think it means that I am somebody. I said, oh, you're right. We're all somebody. Because of what God has done. Let's pray. Eternal God, we we sit today in awe of you and your creation. Help us to see that science just gives us a sneak peek and preview and a closer look at your brilliance and what you've done. Lord, give us a holistic faith. Faith that believes in science and science that believes in faith because it's only by doing so that we can truly understand fully the power of who you are and the glory of your work. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We hope this has been a time of inspiration and meaning for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.